0: Welcome to the first episode of Two Pints of English. Um, we're going to give it a few moments. Um, Sam should be with us in just a few moments. There he is.
1: Okay. Oh, Lance, what's up? Hello. Doing well? How are you? How are it's, been you? A, it's been a long time since we've had a chat and a pint.
0: Yeah, wow. sort of, uh, things have happened around the world. Yeah,
1: it really. Well, it's nice to get back to a sense of normalcy. I'm uh, I'm pouring myself this uh, beer from Riga, apparently <laughs> uh, very very uh, official looking. What have you got on, in your glass?
0: I am starting with. Oh my god. I've never tried this. It's called Gross Money. But it has a weird elephant, like a Dali elephant. So I bought it mainly because marketing of works. Design, essentially. It does. So, welcome everybody to Two Pints of English, the very first episode. Um, Where basically we're just going to have a chat, talk about random stuff, talk about the differences between America and England, and talk a little bit about English learning on top. So quite nice and rounded. Whilst we get just a little slightly by English most right by the academic conversation. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> um. First of all, um, most people should know who I am. I'm from England, from the southwest of England, not too far away from Stonehenge from Somerset. Uh, I've been living here for about seven years now, so I'm quite a veteran, <laughs> I'm not quite as much as you. Um. Sure, yeah, brief um, introduction? I, like
1: Lance, have been here a little bit longer. I think I've, I've got just a couple more months uh, on your stay in Russia. Uh, I'm originally from the United States, from the East Coast, just about 20 minutes north of Washington, D.C. I grew up in the great state of Maryland, um, which I think abroad no one knows anything about unless they've watched The Wire and they would think, oh, is, is it like The Wire? And I'm like, not where I grew up, but I know Baltimore, too. <laughs>
0: yeah i mean the uk's famous <clears throat> connection to maryland is uh cookies we just have maryland cookies. is that a brand is Atlanta. there is that a type of <laughs> yeah it's like interesting
1: a <laughs> it's come back yeah. maryland was founded as, a, as um, a refuge for catholics catholic colonists and uh no <laughs> and now we're no we don't, we're not really doing that anymore <laughs> um, but it's a wonderful place actually Maryland is uh its nickname its official nickname is America in miniature so you get a little bit of everything you have uh, countryside you've got big cities you've got suburban areas you have a wonderful coast the Chesapeake Bay uh is there you I think there might even be pockets of, of Native American communities there um and you have easy access to the other great Cities on the east coast like New York, Philadelphia, etc.
0: So, that was one question. Um, that people wanted to know, uh, out on the top five My places God. to visit in your country.
1: <laughs> Maybe you should start with that one. I think, I think the number one place Where? people want to visit in England is the Harry Potter platform to take, take it, yeah, kind of real time, whether or not you can. <laughs>
0: yeah and oh, you'll see people God. queuing up for ages to go through I can't remember what it's called exactly but it looks like a Harry Potter world like a little mini sort of theme park um, I mean yeah London obviously is a top place to visit but at mm. the same time it's not England it's like mm-hmm. it's a separate entity um, yeah, I visited London and let's say yeah I know all about England <laughs> I spent two weeks in London Completely different. Um, London's great, especially when you're young. There's always something new and exciting to do. Um, Obviously, another place I'd recommend, just out of um, bias, to be Somerset. That sounds familiar. I
1: feel like you've mentioned that in conversation
0: before. Tell me about what's in Somerset (laughs) for the people. (laughs) Well, it's basically like proper postcard England. So when you see all the rolling hills and all the beautiful countryside, this is essentially Somerset. Um, very, very famous for cheddar cheese. It's where it's actually made, as well as cider. I think that's and definitely cider. worth visiting then. Yeah, exactly. Um, further down the coast, if you keep going down, um, there's Cornwall, which, believe it or not, we do actually have a few. Now that is beaches definitely
1: there. news to me. I, I imagine.
0: Yeah, four or five. It's not like a huge amount, but yeah, very, very beautiful beaches down in the southwest. Um, <clears throat> I would recommend possibly the Lake District. Again, very sort of a uh, postcard England, lots of beautiful lakes, hills. Um, one more. Mm. Manchester. Um, I was to see a big city that isn't London. Sure, that's London, understandable. But is Cornwall, that's, yeah. that's where the, the
1: people are Cornish, right? That's a whole other kind of ethnicity and language. Yep.
0: Yeah, they kind of want to separate quite a lot, to be honest. They keep trying to force um mm-hmm. to be their own sort of region, much as Scotland. Um, it's kind of interesting. Most of the UK is trying to separate, except Wales. They're the loyal They're ones. Like it's it. interesting, right? Because
1: everywhere outside of the UK, everywhere outside of England, I feel like has a very positive association with English culture, with English people. They all want to travel there. They want to learn the accent. But their closest neighbors are like, please go. <laughs> we-, <laughs> we don't want you I was very interested in Scottish independence but that was like what seven eight years ago that was uh that was on the ballot yeah
0: they keep pushing for that but um I don't think I'll ever really go ahead <clears throat> um but kind of interesting but I always feel sorry for Wales uh, it's like my neglected part of the UK mm-hmm. and it's very very beautiful um, I know in the U.S. there's like a whole... That's right, of there's, a, there's a very large um,
1: population we could say of, of people who are descended from the Irish fairly recently too, just within the last, you know, well, I would say recently, like the last four or five generations. And um, I think mm-hmm. Irish people who came to the U.S., they really held on to why they came. A lot of them were fleeing famine, persecution, violence, etc. Sometimes at the hands of, of the English or of the Northern Irish, the, the authorities there. Um and I, I think that for people, more recent immigrants especially, there's a huge cultural clash in what they can expect. So something that I know, I haven't really experienced, but I know that uh, in the islands of the UK and in Ireland, pub culture is really important. People go to pubs and this is, this is the town square with booths. And you talk about everything, art, politics, family, whatever. And in the US, we have a very different culture when it comes to what you talk about in public. And talking, getting into a heated debate about politics will usually end in an unpleasant situation in the state. But my friend's dad, who's, who's from Northern Ireland, he just couldn't believe how, um, let's use a Russian expression, how much water there was in uh, small talk and conversation in the U.S. Whereas he wanted to really get into uh, controversial social issues. They weren't having it. Um, I, I could tell you all sorts of stories about my friend's Irish dad, but... Yeah, everyone's, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Day, uh, even even people whose names have never had a, a vowel in front of a consonant
0: at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I guess we're not too different from mm-hmm. sort of how it is here in Russia. It's like politics is our go-to conversation <laughs> in pubs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of strange. When I go for a drink, I like to keep it light and happy normally. Um, so what would you recommend to visit if anyone's going to the U.S.? See, I don't know if I have that thinking. in, in yes. insights. I've traveled all over. So, I mean, there, there are two big cities, right?
1: The two biggest. New York, definitely visit New York. Uh, and if you're Russian and you feel homesick, go to Brighton Beach on New York, which is basically a like a Russian outpost there. Uh, the last time I was in New York, actually, my friend's wife, who is Russian, uh, gave me some Olivier and uh, some Churny uh, Khleb to enjoy to prepare me for my trip. So, so that's lovely. I love New York, I have a lot of friends there. Uh, Los Angeles is worth seeing because it's, it's quite ridiculous compared to life in St. Petersburg. People sometimes have this idea like, oh, Los Angeles, it's, it's just always sunny and it's always warm and everyone's fit and beautiful. And I'm like, well, I lived in Los Angeles and. Yeah, that's basically it. It's like Disneyland's the whole year. We have a couple months of rain and such. But it's neat to see a world like that where you pay $1.25 and you are at the beach or at the Pacific Ocean. Your neighbor is the Pacific Ocean. Really beautiful. I, I've, I remember reading lots of books, having lots of dinners, just staring out with that being my companion, which speaks, trust me, more to the ocean's beauty than my social ineptitude. Um, let's see. Chicago is a great city. And um, I, I guess it's worth seeing if you like the, the Midwest. My favorite city, though, is Minneapolis. I think if any of my former students or friends are here, they'll know that I love Minneapolis. That's where Prince is from. It's where my good friend, uh, who's actually from St. Petersburg, he's American now, he lives in Minneapolis, my favorite place to visit. They have uh, wonderful pub culture there. They have uh, beautiful, strong winters, really kind and uh, civil, civil people and also very diverse. I've never met so many Somalis in my life as I met in, in, in Minneapolis. Uh, no no Somalis, we well, I tell States, you. next time I go to the States, if you want to tag along, we can we can do a little United Nations hopping. Um, we did talk about that a while back. I was gonna show you UK and the US. Uh, before, in the before times. But before what at this point, time. right? I like think <laughs> so, so many things have, have happened. Um, so I think I've got I've got three cities. Right, I've got New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. Oh, um, visit New Orleans. Uh, if you want an unorthodox American experience, visit New Orleans. New Orleans has at different times been run by indigenous people to the U.S., the Spanish, the French, the English American colonists. It is a wonderful <laughs> melting pot. Of uh, some cultures you might not even associate with the U.S. today, the Cajun people. As a matter of fact, these are French refugees from Canada, who were kicked out by the English uh, in a really brutal
0: campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, we we weren't English no. weren't good in history. Everyone's all they're like, the hats that. were just oh. so powerful. How came But yeah, I say
1: go go eat in uh, in New Orleans, probably the best food in America. And if there's one more place to visit, huh? I'd say maybe go somewhere like in the middle of nowhere, visit a place, visit a state like Utah or South Dakota where it's just empty. And it might be empty with grassland or it might be empty like a Martian landscape, but um having driven through these places, having stayed in them at least overnight, it's it's a really disorienting and humbling experience. I remember visiting Murmansk and seeing the northern lights and thinking, "Wow." Human beings that first saw the sky here must have just had this amazing experience of the grandeur of the universe and the smallness of the self. Uh, If you can't make it to Murmansk, you can still see the big sky in Montana.
0: So Go for it. No nuclear weapons. So, what would be the one place to avoid in the US?
1: Oh, God. Um, Maybe you should go first. (laughs) Places to avoid. I'm
0: going to have a hard time thinking of one place to avoid. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of tricky. I mean the most run-down city I've ever seen um, is in the north of Mm. England. It's Bolton and oh my god, it was just Mm. like the Great Depression was still going on. Everything was gray, boarded up. It was just dirty. Nothing was functional. It was depressing Mm. the second Mm. you step off the train. Um, So yeah, it's not one of those most exciting places. Um, The North has got a lot more Mm -hmm. developed over the past 20 or 30 years. Um, Some wonderful, wonderful places. I mean, you've got Yorkshire, which is, again, like, beautiful countryside. You've got Manchester, Liverpool. Um, But there's still a lot of run-down, neglected areas um, Mm -hmm. during the Thatcher years. People seem to think that we love Margaret Thatcher. No. English people hated her. Unless if you are a rich Mm middle-class conservative... I'm not even English, and I hate Margaret Thatcher. I want Um, to
1: I sang God Save the Queen after she died at karaoke as kind of a.
0: Well, when she died, the number one song in the UK um, was Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. People rushed out and bought it um, make it number one. Um, That's from yeah, the Wizard was a good Isn't person, it that song.
1: So it's a little bit of cross continental solidarity there.
0: Mm-hmm. there it is like you know you know what i on, would actually almost. say
1: um uh, this this might be kind of troubling for many russians to hear but i i hear a lot of people they like to visit florida they like to visit miami and i feel like you've got sochi you know if you want to go to a sunny beach with lots of tourists and a place where you can you know enjoy a lazy day in the sun you can do that locally um what i think is interesting is to go to parts of america that you know that aren't maybe in my top five, even visit a state like West Virginia, you know, Mm -hmm. there are people there who have never met anybody outside of their town, outside of their family. But, but I don't say this in a, in a belittling way. It's just a different way of life. Uh, There are parts of the U S where you can't Mm -hmm. buy alcohol to this day. There are still dry counties. There are states where the, Mm -hmm. um, the government actually controls all alcohol sales. So, just imagine the people are going to be a little bit different. The way that they they interact with uh, with with drinks and also with strangers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could tell some pretty off collar jokes about about Appalachia. Maybe that'll come up a, a little later. But uh, yeah, another another beer. <laughs> well, be a couple things of things. I with my visa so I don't get in trouble if I go back. But. Um, one of the last things I did in the U S on the East coast before moving to the West coast was visiting a historical site in West Virginia, where John Brown tried to, uh, basically start the civil war several years before it actually started. And uh, it was really incredible just hearing how people talk, hearing what they, what they knew and didn't know about history, the way they interacted with one another and, um, also, some of the looks I got, I think, from the locals, they, they weren't used to seeing uh, someone of my uh, volume and, and, and color there. But, um, you know, I'm glad I went. I, I'm glad to go <laughs> back to really beautiful, beautiful uh, landscape there in West Virginia.
0: I mean, I think that's really important. <clears throat> when I go traveling, I love to see new culture. Um, much like, as you said, the Russians, hmm. that go to Florida, same as the English. If a person normally goes to America, is so has got three destinations, California, New York, or mm-hmm. Florida. And Florida is my version of hell. I don't know why. But why you, you can go to France, like to go right? If you're
1: English and you want to sit on a beach, I would gladly rather go to France and embarrass myself trying to speak French than being embarrassed, not knowing Florida slang or um, failing to remember my Spanish to order, you know, a margarita or something down there. Yeah, that's, that's definitely not my
0: uh, number one destination. I mean, that's really interesting what you said, like you can go to France. It's, I don't know if it's just mm. old history and we kind of have this kind of rivalry of France, but many people I know from England have never been to Paris. You could get a train, it takes like two hours, um, but they <laughs> refuse to go. Yeah, the rest <laughs> of the world just spend thousands mm-hmm. to fly over see the Eiffel tower. We always look mm-hmm. further than our doorstep, I guess. But yeah, France is a very, very neglected. Also very few immigrants from, from France me. in the US. I mean, outside of
1: legacy populations from the 17, 1800s, there, you don't really see much of a legacy outside of a handful of, of pockets in, in New England, of all places, and in New Orleans, there's a little bit of, of French influence. But you know, um, I, think, I think maybe some of mm-hmm. our guests here are a little young for this. But the U.S. also has a contemporary rivalry with France, despite the fact that they helped win the Revolutionary War to gain independence from from England. In 2003, uh, the U.S. very famously invaded Iraq, and France was at the fore of trying to stop this at the United Nations and diplomatically just savaging the, now we know, totally fabricated case for war. We're going to keep it light, right? And, you know, we we have... uh, (laughs) (laughs) We uh, there there was actually a motion to rename French fries, right? Uh, Freedom fries, which sounds like a joke that someone would make a satire. Yeah, sounds I remember in the the, government in the halls of Washington, if you went to the cafeteria, you could order freedom fries, which makes me think, uh, you know, I'll just have a yogurt. I don't want to participate (laughs) with (laughs) this. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Can you think of I, anything I like that this. from
1: England? Like something um, just so silly and embarrassing? Yeah, of course not, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, we're not really like super patriotic, which is weird. I mean, although you mm-hmm. see the jubilees going on, you've got millions of people in the streets, most people don't mm. care about the royals at all. Most people are more excited by the fact we get an extra day off. There we so go. an extra day in the pub. Like, um, for most people in the UK... Um, The Queen is the same as Big Ben. It's just a tourist. (laughs) Big Ben does nothing more. To be fair. Um, Just. uh... (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, we're not really Mm -hmm. patriotic in the slightest, Um, except as, like, football Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. We don't care. Like, it's something that I've noticed about the US a fascination with the flag, and it must Mm -hmm. never Mm touch the ground. And, Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, it's. Well, you know uh, about the Pledge of Allegiance? Are you familiar with this ritual? Yeah. Every day at school. Every day at school. um, I I showed it to some Russians, and they were absolutely horrified. They thought it was something from Nazi Germany. Uh, It's pretty disturbing. It's like a cult. Um, (laughs) And in case anyone who's listening doesn't know, the Pledge of Allegiance, it's a ritual every morning in American public schools where everyone stands up, and they put their hands on their heart and they look at an American flag because every classroom has one. Every classroom has an American flag hanging. And they say, uh, let's see um, if I can do it. Uh, I I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, which was added in the 1950s. It didn't used to be there. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. I I think that's it. And at one point I learned that I didn't have to say it. And I was like, oh, screw that. I'm never saying that again, that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, we have nothing like that in the UK schools. Um, I can't even remember seeing a UK flag in any of the schools or colleges I went to. I didn't even this know the, the English thing. flag existed um, until
1: fairly recently. I only knew the union flag.
0: Yeah, everyone knows the UK flag, but the English flag is quite <laughs> underwhelming, to be honest. So, just a red. If anyone that doesn't know, it's just a white background with a red um, cross on it. That is the English flag. Um, I remember getting like a little bit annoyed during the World Cup when I was here in Russia because he saw all the flags in the country and there was a the UK mm-hmm. flag. So
2: that's mm-hmm. England. You're that's like, that's I
0: don't want any England. Northern Irish people on the pitch. <laughs> Right. Well I mean they're separate teams, they all compete separately. But they have the Scottish, <laughs> they have the Northern Irish and then like, and maybe maybe okay. they're making some statement, right? But this is this is uh there's a name for this, right? It's called the West
1: Lothian question about democracy in England. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Um oh, I remember heard of Wikipedia this. surfing one day and David Cameron, who I I think is gonna go down as one of the most inept prime ministers in, in history, um, he actually campaigned on a little bit. What disaster! He is. I mean, Boris is doing a good job. It might be like Uh, one after the other, really, really bad conservative PMs. But the West Lothian question is basically the idea that um, there is basically federalism for the other constituent parts of the UK. Like um, there are representatives in the UK Parliament, and there's also devolved governance there, where in England doesn't quite have that. It's all kind of mixed together. So you have Scottish people voting on laws that are going to affect perhaps only English people um, and something should be done about this, right? It's like, it's, it's almost like the US system, but not exactly. And when I first heard that, it was one of those times where I was like, right, they don't have a written constitution there. They're just making stuff up as they go along. And, you know, and I think it's a very legitimate thing for English people to be concerned. I mean, you have a queen for God's sake, right? Like get rid of that first, but... Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a lot thing. going on there. Um, it's weird we have these weird old traditions left. Um, let's move on to another question. Word. One of the followers asked, "What do you miss most?" From guns.
1: <laughs> I want. You mean you want more? Guns? I just. I go to. I go to sleep hugging my pillow, <laughs> and I'm like, I just really wish this were an assault rifle like I grew up with. It's just. <sighs> a tough one um yeah, yeah I, sorry, by the way othering everybody you know from us. america might sincerely say that but not not me uh what do i miss the most um i mean really it, it would have to be my friends because i think that material life is just as good if not better for me here in st petersburg um I've, I've been able to mm-hmm. you know live very comfortably i have a very nice work-life balance for the most part but um, I don't have the chance to see the people I grew up with, the people who's who's informed my character and whose character I've influenced. I, I don't get to see their kids. My God, like <laughs> a whole classroom worth of children has been born to my friends over the last few. I've never met them. Uh, so that's that's kind of a bummer. How about you?
0: Food. <coughs> don't get me wrong, I like the family; they're very good, but food. <laughs> I miss spicy food. I miss real cheeses, proper cider. Um, I mean, you kind of adapted to Russian food quite well. You kind of uh, like um,
1: Russian cuisine. (laughs) Myself, have have you (laughs) tried to? uh, a lot of people know that you have uh, experience working as a chef and uh, managing restaurants. Mm. Have you tried to make any Russian cuisine since you've been here? No, I don't think so. Actually, I don't know because
0: yeah, <laughs> I just prefer other like cuisine. you really
1: want the borscht. I can. Um, there's a babushka down the hall.
0: I, yeah, I can just go and get it. I'm sure I have. Mm. I can't think on top of my head why I've done. Um, we have a question in the chat. Um, our, why did both of us move to Russia? I mean, me it was just circumstances. I actually have a son here. So uh surprise <laughs> of my wife. more um, we'll than planning on visiting here. Hello. Like, oh man. About um, well, this is actually my second time in Russia.
1: I studied abroad here for a semester in college and that was a really great experience. I, I had lots of great discussions and excursions and learning experiences. I felt that I really grew as a person when I was twenty one years old. And after 10 years in the States, I basically got bored. Life there wasn't interesting. So I thought I'd go back to the place where I, I felt that I grew the most. So I, and also teaching English was something I'd, I'd been interested in for a while. And I just knew if I ever got certified, I would come back to Russia. And uh, and, that's, and that's been that. And since I've been here, I've accomplished almost all of my goals. I've seen almost everything that I, that I wanted to see. So yeah, almost seven years. It'll be seven years at the end of August, I think. Uh huh. So it's, that's quite impressive. Um, is your yeah, question, like, no, <laughs> question it's to life. Lance? Um, I give off the most unmarried vibes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's not, no. so it was no yeah. So there's no chance, no way, possibly. Yeah, I mean, you've explored quite a bit of Russia. Um, where for me, I was just sort of jumping between Moscow and St. Petersburg. Yeah, and, the opposite and, yeah, of what a yeah, Russian okay. would recommend. Um, You'll
1: stay in Russia, they will go to
0: St. Petersburg and Moscow. Yeah, I just, I mean, I remember before I was looking for a trip to uh, Mm -hmm. Lake Baikal and just a plane ticket there was the same as two weeks in Italy, including flights and accommodation was like, big water Uh, or pizza. Man, that's a a
1: real challenge. I've I've been to Baikal. I paid the 33,000 rubles a few years ago to go and uh, I loved it Um, before current events before recent events i really thought uh this would be a wonderful place for me to just live spend the rest of my life by is beautiful i highly recommend seeing it it's so quiet it's so lovely it's so vast the uh the locals there are very friendly um i haven't met an english-speaking tour guide there uh and when i travel in russia i try not to speak English too much. I I generally prefer speaking Russian, uh, which I can do to to some, you know, low to moderate extent. But one morning, I was so tired from the the trip, the flight to Baikal, the cab rides, the the managing of trains. I just opened the door to this excursion hut and I was like, do you speak English? And the guy said, yes, I do. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what can I do here? And he recommended that I go take a horseback or a dog sled ride, um, ride which I did. I took, a, I took a Husky sled ride. Yeah. The, the, the local Uber. Yeah. I'm like, man, like my Husky Uber. is taking forever. I should have. Yeah. It's like the horseback like economy and Husky. That's, and the, like that's, a, that's a, the classier the version, X-Table exactly. Or... I remember sitting on the sled the, uh, and I was just like, I, I was sitting like I was evacuating a plane like this. And the guy, uh, he he grabbed my hand and he put it on the uh, on the sled on one of the bar and he was like Di-ji. and I was like, oh, hold on," uh, I'll never forget that. That's good.
0: I mean, yeah, you have like dived into the Russian culture a lot more than me. You're kind of embracing the food, the I've language, traveling around in 2005. I, I should have brought is. it, but it does exist. <laughs> Uh, I've been meaning to explore more, and I will do at some point, um, but it's just getting around it. Um, Let's talk one more question about the UK and the US, and we'll start talking a little bit about English. Um, What's the most most common misbelief about America that you hear? I don't want to be a
1: Debbie Downer, but um, people don't realize the level of social inequality in the US, Because a lot of what's marketed and a lot of what is popular is about the very rich and it's also rather trashy. So unlike in England, right, when you look at the very posh, the very wealthy, these people really carry themselves with a degree of formality and they really show off their education and their languages and such. Whereas the Kardashians, come on. Yeah, so you you have these these seemingly relatable pop culture figures who are also insanely wealthy. And I think people are like, oh, well, anyone can be that. Like, no, anyone can't be that. Your father needs to be an extremely expensive lawyer or you need to be descended from blue bloods uh, to live that kind of lifestyle. And a point that I keep coming back to when talking about this issue is in, I want to say in 2008, I think there's a presidential election where the Republican candidate, the the Republican, the conservative party in the US, the Republican candidate Mitt Romney said in the debate that we actually have less social nobility than England does today. Uh, this was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I'm thinking they literally have people with titles. Like that's illegal in the US. You cannot have a title of royalty or kingship, <laughs> etc. Like you can't do it. It's against the law. And
0: you can literally buy oh, a title God. online in like five minutes. I could become a well, parent if I wanted
1: to. You might you so might. Like look into it. I think that might be good for branding, if nothing else.
0: <laughs>
1: Lance <laughs> pro of English. English. Of English. like, what does that even mean? <laughs> so I'd say it's that. There's, there's, a, there's a high level of yeah, social inequality and uh, economic um, problems. So, you know, it is easy to start a business in the U.S., more or less. Um, and if, if you've got a lot of, you know, gumption to go out and get investors and such, you can do that. It, it, it does have this entrepreneurial quality, but that's absolutely not the story for most people. Most people are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, wages have stagnated over the last several decades. Unions are quite weak. Social solidarity, you can see in the news, has a lot of problems. So the marketing of sunny all the time, land of opportunity, we're all friends, minus the mass shootings, not accurate.
0: Uh-huh. Um, I think the biggest one in the UK is. Uh, oh, it has to be L- accent. The everybody believes we're <laughs> these kind of toffs, blue bloods, walking around. Like, oh, good morn. Good morn, sir. Perchance do you have a spare pound? It's like, oh my god, no, we don't speak like this. Like, please. Are there real people that speak like, like this? this, or is
1: it just in the
0: movies? <laughs> Mm. There are very, very few, um, and they're only born into money, incredibly rich. And the pushback I always get is, like, but I hear it on TV. And, I mean, we call this kind of like the BBC English. I don't know if you know the history Mm. behind BBC English or RP. Um, Basically, when we started first broadcasting on the radio and was going to do the whole way across the UK, people didn't understand each other. (laughs) And <laughs> um, so they fired every single <laughs> Scottish person. No R.I.P. Right and we kind of invented this kind of like fake English accent. Mm. Um, so it would be broadly understood. Um, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's not natural in the slightest. You're only hear it on TV. And so when I sort of travel around and people like really working on their English pronunciation, when they speak in the Saxon, mm-hmm. instantly mm-hmm. I'm like, they're not native. Like... And it's weird because they spend so much time and money and effort to sound less native than what well, it is. You know, one of, one, of,
1: one of America's great gifts to the world is rap music. And um, one of the great traditions in rap music is the rap battle when rappers have beef with each other to criticize each other's skills and performance. And I feel like when it comes to pronunciation and especially where that overlaps with culture and expectations, I've got a lot of beef with English teachers, especially on Instagram, especially when it comes to this accent, because I've known you now seven years, um, I have understood ninety-nine percent mm. of what you have said. A couple times, they'll use an expression that maybe I don't know, but I, I, I always understand the English that we share, the lexicon that we share. And when I when I watch these videos where people are uh, teaching students that it's very important to try to approximate, number one, an accent that has no um, no cultural history. Number two, that sounds artificial. And number three, will actually assist in you failing to understand other people. It's just infuriating. I mean, for one, for one example, if um, I think you've probably seen some of the videos I've posted. There's the one where I have the, the the Russian English teacher, and she says, you know, you've 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 got to pronounce words like lea rather than letter. And there's this there's this uh-huh. silly idea that, well, if you pronounce the T's in a word like L-E-T-T-E-R, if you pronounce them like D's, this is somehow uneducated or, or non-standard, et cetera. And I remember very clearly being a child and knowing which kids in my class could read and speak effectively. Because if we read aloud, a kid would say like, and the postman brought the letters to the house. And I'm just thinking, who do you talk to that sounds like that? Nobody speaks like that. It's letter. It's definitely letter. It could be la'a if, you know, you're from that part of England, where that's how they pronounce it. But it's that part. Yeah, like, that's
0: just still... some... Mm. I mean, it's really interesting to sort of talk about this point because they spend so much time and think it's going to improve their English test mm. they're doing like CAE, CPE, IELTS. Whatever it is, I think they're going to get a better score because they're (laughs) over-enunciating absolutely everything. What I find with a lot of that is they're actually breaking fluency. There's no connected speech. There's no, I mean, all the English exams are looking for connected speech of sounding native. So, hello! What good <laughs> day it is. Mm-hmm. Dropping all the articles. I'm like, oh no, I'm going like, to board the train.
1: I'm planning to alight <laughs> at six in the morning. And you're like, ugh. Maybe eat some fiber. You sound terrible.
0: I mean it's uh, there's such a wide range of UK accents and People should embrace them a little <laughs> bit more. I'm not saying you should speak like them. I, I agree. You keep your accent, build your fluency, tempo, everything else, but keep your accent. Exactly. A part right. Of you. This is I've um, noticed this when when there are um,
1: audio samples from Russian speakers or, or people with Eastern European accents. I've seen students even laugh at how they sound, and I'm like they're speaking perfectly fluently. You know. I can understand them better than the people speaking, RP, um, speaking the fake No RP, chunking, basically. no intonation, that's another one, you know. And in the U.S. itself, I mean, we have hmm. a lot of famous accents as well. I'm from, I'm from Maryland. I have what's called like a mid-Atlantic accent. It's pretty general. It's pretty flat. Um, Canadians, for the most part, kind of sound like this. People who read the news, same, same thing in the U.S., by the way. A lot, a lot of our newscasters are Canadian because that accent is so neutral. That everyone can
0: understand it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those that don't know, um, Sam's mm-hmm. actually a very talented voice actor. In Agda, well. yeah. Um, and I don't want to uh, indulge them and give them a few different US accents because. Just so like you know, with multiple Well, yeah. In the so um, there are a few words
1: that differ widely depending on where you go. So if you're talking about uh, maybe visiting a small river, a small stream, you might say, uh, let's go to the creek, C-R-E-E-K. That's that's how I said it growing up. But mm-hmm. just 10, 15 minutes away from where I grew up, people are like, let's go on down to the creek. Same word, C-R-E-E-K, but they pronounced it like crick, like cricket. Um, and then if you, if you go to the upper Midwest in Minnesota, which is my favorite part of the country, people, they talk with this really kind of gentle, kind of sing-songy accent, don't you know? If you know the cartoon Bobby's World, the mom has this accent quite pronounced. Canadians kind of have this as well. Um, and then uh, got your, got your Sam Elliott down in down in texas or down in louisiana on the bayou and you go down to the swamp to make a living hunting gators um that's really not what people in new york talk like people in new york are really fast they talk really fast they want to get to the point and they want to go they want to do the business they want to go on their date they want to go to a meeting they want to get things done just really really fast as a matter of fact when i was acting uh in houston uh the play that i was in took place in chicago and the director said to us and I found this kind of insulting. She said, maybe some of us are from the South, which I'm not. But she said, but this play is in Chicago. So we need to be fast. It's a fast Northern play. And it just made me appreciate the fact that there are environmental and cultural differences uh, when it comes to different parts of the of the U.S. that you can tell very quickly where someone is from. And that's fine <laughs> because we are
0: from different places. Um. Oh. Yeah, this is kind of interesting to hear, because in so many people's minds, mm-hmm. you have an American accent and a British accent. and When people just like contact me, it's like, can you teach me the British accent? Welsh accent. Probably the best. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, what do you want, exactly? Um, a little bit more specific right there. Um, what do you think is the most common mistake you notice for students here? What's the one thing you would say, like, stop doing this and you would definitely
1: be Uh, better? Well, this is an interesting one. I've thought about this a lot, uh, whether I should go with something technical, like something with articles or modals or Mm. something attitudinal. And I think I'm going to go with the attitudinal, something that has to do with your approach to learning. And I think the biggest mistake is you don't have an aim, that students don't have a goal. So wanting to get a good score on the IELTS is not really a goal in itself. I can teach you that in 20 minutes. It's not hard. Uh, The IELTS, which I'm quite experienced in teaching, it it tells you everything at once. You know, it takes no rocket science, no magic. You don't need to go to Hogwarts. You don't have to cast a spell to do well in the IELTS. But what do you want to do once you've done that? Do you want to study in a university? Well, then you need to become familiar with academic English. You need to start reading scientific papers in English. You need to start watching um, presentations at a higher level than TED Talks. And you need to practice talking about this content with someone who can understand it is your goal tourism and for a lot of people it is and and what they miss is you don't really need a very high level of english in order to effectively use it and to get around i've had students who are pre-intermediate intermediate um, travel all over the world not go to english-speaking countries but use english to get around I Had a student go to brazil uh, and she came back she survived You know, and uh, her English was absolutely not great. Her vocabulary wasn't huge. She didn't have a great technical mastery, but it was enough for her goals, which is fine, right? Your teacher can help you reach the goals that you have. But if you come in and just say, I want to be fluent, that doesn't really mean anything. Do you want to talk to people? Do you want to write? Do you want to read? Do you want to act? Um, What is this language for? Because it's a tool and English is a communicative tool. So I think to, to put all of this in a nutshell, you need to understand that English and any other language, it's a social tool. It's not something that you can understand and apply in isolation um, of other people. And understanding that will make your learning experience a lot easier and also a lot more fun.
0: I think that's a great answer. Yeah, much, much more, more fleshed out than <laughs> mine. Is- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> By the way, I'm now on the second oh, beer of a beer. I've got right. a fedora. A nice, really, really good Um, Yeah, mine's going to sound very, very uh cliched and wide, but it's the fact when you, especially when you start uh, speaking to like natives and you are an adult now, mm. is relax. Like, stop stressing out so much. And I see people, they worry so much about the grammar and the kind of them from speaking they go like uh 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 y- yesterday i uh uh w- w- went t- to a park and okay it's perfect grammar don't get me wrong but those pauses and the frustration over the overcomplicating the grammar in your head mm-hmm. it breaks all fluency and it makes it 10 times harder to understand now someone said when they're first learning. Yesterday I go park. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not correct, but mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. easier to understand. And when you're starting out, you need to just relax. You're going to make mistakes. It's as simple as well. Right. That's why you're coming to classes. If you could speak perfectly with no mistakes, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. no reason for you to be here. And people need to accept that. I mean, we're I mean most teachers are reasonably relaxed. They're not gonna be shouting and screaming at you because they haven't you haven't pronounced something perfectly or yeah i mean it gets frustrating when people make the same mistakes over and over again and they're gonna be wrong but just relax a little bit enjoy it it could be a process and for mm-hmm. me the more people enjoy the classes becoming friends with people in the group connecting to the teacher joking mm-hmm. around not taking it so seriously it make it a fun experience um it can be a wonderful mm-hmm. social experience as well i mean it's harder and harder to meet people And for me, that's how you should learn a language. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. Um, I'm obviously talking about lower levels, um, where you were talking much more about (laughs) you need a goal. What are you studying? Because there are so many different types of English. And this mm-hmm. parts of English, I have no idea about. I remember before when someone- That is TV. a whole genre. Uh, I've got articles about it, I can
1: send you some materials. But yeah, and, and this is one where actually, if you know French, it would actually be really useful because a lot of the aviation language comes from French quite almost directly, uh, which again, that's culture. That's not because it's in the program. It's not like C++, it's not Java which is, uh, we, we work with a lot of programmers, right? We work with a lot of people who code. So they treat lang- like uh-huh. spoken language, oh, human Lord. language the same way that they treat computer language, which is absolutely not the same. So, um, and also, you know, learning language is a good opportunity to be an anthropologist a little bit. My educational backgrounds in sociology, I observe people I observe what is um, valued and not valued in conversation, what's frequently uh, said and what's not. And I feel like this is something that people miss. Uh, Again, I've had great students say, oh, I was watching TV and this character in some, some show said this, what does it mean? I don't understand it. It doesn't follow the rules I expected. And then without any context, I can usually fill in the gaps for them because I have the cultural background, right? And now they know that. They know that's how English works in some situation, which is a much more valuable service that we as native speakers can provide than saying, no, look in Murphy, it's chapter eight, idiot. <laughs> like they, you never need a teacher to tell oh. you that. I know you can find the answer on Wikipedia or a search engine of your choice. You don't need us for that. Uh, what What you can...
0: Mm -hmm. obsession with grammar here.
1: You know what's funny is is that there are constructions in English that I don't necessarily know the names of technically, but I know how they work. So Mm -hmm. I often use the inverted structure of conditional sentences. So rather than saying if I had a million dollars, I would blah, blah, blah. I'd say had I a million dollars, I would blah, blah, blah. And the the looks of consternation and confusion because I say it all the time. I recommend it all the time in writing to use conditionals in inverted form because I don't think about it. I'm fluent. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm native. I, I see that in writing. Yeah. I see it in I, I, li- I hear it in, in speech. And people are like, well, I I never I never saw that. Anna Pavlovna didn't tell me that. Could, you're probably wrong. And I'm like, well, here's who's wrong. The person who can't be understood is wrong. And if you can't master some grammar structure, you can get around that if you think creatively. And if you mm-hmm. observe what other people do and copy. You can, you can solve your problem that way. But if you put all the pressure on yourself, like you're being graded all the time, which you're not, I mean, you know, you and I at the pub are not speaking in complete sentences most of the time. We're speaking in, in fragments. Uh, I'll say, but, you know, with the thing and
0: the, the, with the, you know, that was stupid, right? And then cheers. That's really, really important. What you're saying there is like, people speak too long mm-hmm. sentences. Um, and this is actually a terrible if you know the term, it's growling. Like mm-hmm. And this um, it's like understanding mm. that different locations uh, relative to mm-hmm, how yeah. well you know a person. Um, so many different factors sure. actually change the way you speak. Um, obviously, the big famous one is if you're on a train, if you're on a sap stand, someone comes along and says tickets. You know what he is saying. You've taken mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. the rest of the sentence in your head. Please me your ticket so I can check <clears throat> that you're on the right path and you paid. You understand that. Because of the location, the repeated action. But if you were walking down Nevsky and someone came up to you and went, Tickets? It's you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a crack. Yeah. Like, well, is he buying tickets, selling tickets? What does he want? You have no idea. And that's something really, really important. I try to get my students <laughs> to understand a little bit more is who you're talking to, where you are. Is this a repeated action? Completely changes the And is this line a word use. that the other person can I mean, reasonably
1: before. be expected to know? Uh, I think you showed me an essay the other day that had some word that looked like it was in French today, not like it was from French. And I was looking Mm. at the sentence and I was like, I have no idea what that means. And when you are confusing people who are proficient in English, um, something's gone wrong in your process. And it doesn't mean you're a bad student or it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Mm. It just means that strategy of relying on one-to-one translation is failing you um i have a video about this and, and students often ask me they're like i never hear people say thanks god in movies and i'm like because that's not the expression it's thank god yeah and they're like but blah 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 and i'm like we're not speaking russian no one who speaks english is translating from russian you're doing that <laughs> and it's causing
0: you problems my favorite is always seabank like yeah i have a new seabank
1: don't think you like, do, a... um, but that is a real <laughs> animal though, isn't
0: it, a sea pig? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it looks like, uh, to crudely put it, like a pink condom with Japanese on, delicacy. But little at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh God. <laughs> um,
1: but I mean, but these are opportunities to they're, laugh, they're, right? They're and, and students who don't laugh at these are really missing out um i think you've studied some spanish that one of the first things they tell you is yo soy embarazada does not mean i'm embarrassed it means i'm pregnant everyone who's ever taken mm-hmm. spanish knows this and it's very funny uh i think I, I took spanish five years didn't do very well but i was i was in the class for five years every year the teacher made some joke about this and i will never forget it because it make the logic is clear it's a false friend and Um, Here's here's something I think is weird. What do you think about this? So, um, for us, we're not fluent Russian users by by any means. We can get by in Russia because so many words are just borrowed from modern English, like contemporary English. Now, France, Mm -hmm. every year, they have a whole committee that decides how to define new things because they don't want to borrow the word from English because they're French. Yeah, stop reporting. Like, stop mm-hmm. using like English gamer. And I, just, I think about this, and mm-hmm. I think part of what makes learning English difficult for Russians is probably the fact that there are so many of these neologisms and cognates that you know you can mm-hmm. you can get by with the Russian version, but they never learn the collocations in English of the other language that goes with this stuff, and that leads
0: to misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, this. Is a classic whole idea that language is holistic, is all connected. You can't fragment it into these tiny, tiny little pieces. You'll never fully understand it. Um, by the way, guys, uh, we've got roughly about 10, 15 minutes left. If you have any questions at all, and you want us to answer, please put them in the chat and we'll go through it. Um, whilst you're thinking about some questions you'd like us to answer, um, one of my students, he's kept asking me, what else can he say instead of French? And I've come up with a big list awfully internet. Sure. And I think we should go through it together. Dismiss all of these terrible, You mean something bad was posted on the internet? You, can you believe that? Uh, yeah, by the way, there's so much bad information um, on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you look, even on Google, stuff like that. Sometimes you look at the stuff and Just both of that. us, we look and look at it now. Who says that? Cats and dogs, uh, counter potatoes. Lazy bones. Friends. So instead of friends, "lazy bones," yeah, "lazy bones." Okay, the first well,
1: one. Well, um, I think that's pretty popular in the UK and in Australia for sure. No.
0: In the US, um, no. No. <laughs> no. So yeah, I mean, in, yeah, definitely in the mm-hmm, UK, we mm-hmm. say so, yeah. You're right, mate. How are you? Next one,
1: Fella. Uh, maybe. I think maybe in the southern US, you're like, how do you do mm-hmm. yeah, with Fella? Yeah, I can this one Fella. It's, it's okay. okay, but maybe not something for, for younger have- people to use.
0: We have Bud and This buddy. is more like
1: dads would say this.
0: Oh, I fully leaned into it. I love saying York. <laughs> You're I'm, right. I am a dancer. Take full so advantage
1: of it. Advantage life. Like, oh, <laughs> it bud. My, my friend used to always say this to his little brother. who was a lot younger. I'm
0: like, oh, you need help, bud?
1: And I was like, eh, this is babysitter language for me. But it's okay. Bud and Buddy are all right. Cheryl Crow's great song. Um, <laughs> all I Want to Do, she says, uh, you know, guy introduces himself as, as Bill, but I swear he's Bill or Billy or Mac or Buddy. So if it's endorsed in pop music, it's okay.
0: Yeah I <laughs> that's a line. Um do uh, no dudette.
1: absolutely not. This you would see in a nineteen nineties cartoon where people are talking about surfers in California. But if you went up could you imagine? Right, like hello, dude and dude yet. I am going on surfing here in Sunshine State, California. It is like Sochi but Mexican. Where are you going, dudette? <laughs> we do shots on beach. No, come back to the beach. <laughs> it's just, it can be very problematic.
0: Do like okay. like semi, let it slide. It's kind of okay. Do that, no, this is like, it's like yeah. comedy, the language yeah. they use there. Like, and,
1: again, and again, it's like, you're really out of touch if you say this, like, if you're like, what's up dudes and dudette, okay. No. It's like rather cool. Like, are you Raphael yeah. from the Ninja Turtles? You're not? Then no. Stop. I mean, could you imagine
0: going on a date together? You uh, you're uh, right
1: too debt. How are you? Like, I, <laughs> I was like, it's Not done. most of my dates go anywhere, that. but that's uh, not because of language mistakes.
0: Now, the next one, Loud and Lassie. This. Northern for me, yeah. If you're like anywhere mm-hmm. above sort of Birmingham or even like Birmingham. Bit. I'll let last slide. We wouldn't say it in the southwest of England, or the south of England. Um, I'm guessing it's not. Um, there's the US dog. dog named Lassie. That's
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of like how a lot of my dates go, actually.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> The next one, I would never say this. Friend, hello, friend. That sounds a little so creepy as well. And, uh... Like it sounds like uh, maybe
1: maybe you're trying yeah. to help a homeless person. You're like from a church. Hello, friend. Has the world been cruel to you? Join us this Sunday. Like it's ugh, it's no good. Yeah, exactly. Do you know. And, well, that's this... something I don't miss about the U.S. If we go <laughs>
0: back. Mm -hmm. I would never say friend, yeah. Hello, friend. Um, The next one, we definitely don't say this in the UK for sure. Amigo.
1: Again, if you're Matthew McConaughey, if you have just taken Spanish class for the first time, (laughs) maybe, but it would have to be ironic. You couldn't sincerely say this. You would sound ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it would be kind of a joke. Um, we have a question. What audience is a podcast for? I mean, level. Um, <laughs> we are not going to grade our speech. We're going to speak as much as we possibly can and as native. Um, two points of English is about real English. Um, hopefully it'll be useful for every level, but be prepared for lots of advanced phrases and vocabulary because we're not going to speak like this, so everybody can,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we're gonna speak as natural as he possibly can, and so nice. Also what's useful about, about hearing that
1: kind of speech um, is that there will be lots of you know, non-standard structures in there, and if you hear them again and again, you can go, oh, I actually don't need to be technically correct all of the time to convey that I'm a, a proficient
0: English user. Yeah, natives make mistakes all over the place and one of the biggest ones for me is instead of saying my friend and i went to the park
1: me and my friends yeah it just sounds more natural in many cases it's definitely
0: wrong it's a hundred percent wrong yeah it's definitely wrong like, yeah every native speaker will speak like that if he said my friend and i i'll be like it sounds why are you speaking yeah. like this why are you being so formal what's funny is this this uh, another
1: native era okay is back to once the... you learn the my friends and I construction people will overcorrect and they'll always use it they'll never use me properly and they get in this embarrassing situation Mm -hmm. where they use this more formal correct structure incorrectly which looks so much worse than if you'd said something more casual or more informal or just grunted in an expressive way
0: yeah I wasn't with you a lot
1: um
0: next one Compadre. Uh,
1: Definitely not in the UK. If you're like a a 110-year-old rancher in Texas, maybe. Otherwise, no.
0: Yeah. All right, dudes and dudettes,
1: compadres and amigos. It's time to take cattle to market. Yeah. The next one.
0: (laughs) Chum. Ah. No way. This would be like... If you're Bugs Bunny, you can say it.
1: What's up, old buddy, old pal, old chum? But besides that, no.
0: This is what I've actually heard people say oh my God. here in Russia. Collaborator,
1: collaborator. Like someone, like someone just following Hello-ka. orders in Auschwitz. <laughs>
0: I would never ever collaborate. You a shouldn't if you're a good friend. Hello, fellow collaborator. Collaborator. Yeah, so please, please, please. Anyone else well, there? There's one word. Don't say collaborator. That, if it's someone you work you work with, your, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your colleague.
1: You can say uh, the person you're talking to, your subyacidnik, is your interlocutor. That's a really good word that's uh, worth knowing. It's rather high level mm-hmm. and it's, it's useful. Oh, my collaborator. It's weird. I think the word colleague also is is quite clear, it's someone you work with, the end. But I often hear it used improperly, yeah. not just by, by Russian users of English, but I think in general, um, because people don't know words like acquaintance or friend of a friend, or even, it sounds clunky, someone I know.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but that's completely fine to say. Yeah. Don't say collaborate say a friend of a friend, someone I know, that's mm-hmm. completely much more natural. Um, Real? Next to, uh, it's kind of problematic okay. I and mean, definitely, we're never gonna say it in the UK. Brother and sister. Okay, um,
1: this is definitely completely normal in African-American vernacular English, also known as black English or A-A-V-E. Um, brother, mm-hmm. you, well, I, I suppose you could say it if you're outside of that community, but this is a very close friend. This is a real intimate, be like, oh man, Lance and I have been in Russia for seven years, he's my brother, like, all right, makes sense. And even probably, I'm yeah, bro, I'm sister, sure, if you're if you're yeah, here um, I, maybe in a sorority, sister is a little bit more common if you're in one of these like societies. But if you want to show extreme closeness, <laughs> but the, the level of intimacy that these terms would have make them like you don't even need them because you're not going to have friends. You're
0: that close to. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, please avoid them, the most part, at least. Um the next one, I have never heard of anyone ever use this. Hobnobber. You're right, hob-nobber. Gonna gonna go with no. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> I, I just wanted to check just to make sure that maybe as a part uh, of the yeah, US. Part of your, that you're
1: lucky to have missed out on um uh, Well we have this this, this verb to hobnob, <laughs> like to socialize, to rub shoulders with people, to try and network, make connections. It, it sounds rather pejorative, actually, to call someone a hobnobber. It sounds like an opportunistic kind of person, not a
0: friend, certainly not a friend. I'm going back to the beginning of the podcast, A hobnobber <laughs> <hour> in England is <laughs> a type of biscuit.
2: Like you're, it's yeah. like you're criticizing
0: your friend's food preferences. <laughs> like, You'd be like, oh, here comes my friend, he's a real <laughs> hobnobber. hobnobber,
1: just ignoring him, going to get Brad. crumbs everywhere. He's my brother. Like, he's your brother? Like, no, he's like <laughs> a collaborator. You work with him? No, no, no. He's like...
0: He's a Let's collaborator. let a biscuit and cookie talk here. Um, next one, again, I've never heard this musketeer.
1: <sighs> so I heard that when Charles Dickens was writing Great Expectations, he was paid by the word. And if you've read Great Expectations, this book is maybe twenty-five to thirty percent longer than it needs to be. My friend always said Dickens was paid by the word and it shows. And I feel that whoever wrote this list of synonyms for friend was also paid by the word. And
0: <laughs> and it shows clear. It's a musketeer. Unless yeah. yeah. I mean you could check. Um, if there's like three of you as a group, you say, yeah, we're like the musketeers. But still, that's like when you're eight years old. I would never If
1: your friend is a um, sentient candy bar, perhaps. But yeah, outside of those two circumstances, absolutely not. Um, Pal, sure. I would actually say. Pal, Pal. is okay.
0: We're pals. We're... Yeah, I think that's a... um The next one. I've added to it already, um, is Mucker, which is very southwest. This is purely Somerset only. <laughs> That's it's what I would say. I would say that it. sounds like it's from
1: some some specific part of England. Uh, it sounds like a dirty person to me, because we've got Muck, right, to mean like some kind of swampy or dirty. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. Mucker is like very Somerset-like friends. Now there was one that I almost striped off the list. Um, I feel like it's important to make sure that nobody out there is saying it. And this is boy. Yeah.
1: Um if if you have a friend, if you have a male who is your friend and he's a very close friend, you could say, This is my boy. Okay. Yeah, but it's like the yeah, 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 yeah.
0: kind of like
1: internet slang. Yeah. Um women say this sometimes to talk about their boyfriends, like this is my boy, this is my man. Uh, outside of those contexts, this actually is, is extremely problematic to say. Um, if you're interested in the history, the whole, this, is, this was a slur used against uh, african American, as black people in the U.S. And uh, if you're interested in the civil rights movement, you'll see photographs of protesters with signs that say, I am a man. And this is both an articulation of their humanity and the fact that he's, to, to, to borrow a phrase from Aade, they are grown ass men. They're not boys. They're not children. Uh, it's it's not good. Is this still used in that kind of sense in London in, in, or in England in a pejorative sense? Much more the, the, civilized. Never the 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 I was called boy once in Texas, um, which was which was an interesting experience because this man uh, was directing where I could put my car when I was on the way to teach his kid, but he's calling the teacher boy. But you need his help to teach your kids. Yeah. You know? um,
0: the big lesson there is, if you're gonna use this, very, mm. very, very close friends. It's not <laughs> strangers, you never go up to a stranger's boy. <laughs>
1: Come here. It's no good. What's interesting, though, is I think really old people might say this without any real prejudice and be like, hey, boy, hey, girl. What time is it? But again, they're very old people and and we're just waiting for them to die. So maybe don't follow their example. We'll just
0: let that
1: racism slide for the next...
0: This is an interesting point, though, right?
1: Because this word seems innocuous, but if you don't understand the cultural and historical context of some of these terms,
0: I mean, yeah, this is the thing. You, you have to be careful of language in some ways because it can be so offensive using the wrong one. Um, this was something very interesting mm. what I found when I moved to Russia. Russia is a very, very direct language. I mean, in the UK, we never say the word no. Well, well, of course we do, but... For example, if you said, do you want to go to the cinema next week? And I didn't want to go. I'm not going to go, no. Where a Russian person say, no, I don't want to go. In my head, it's like, what have I done to offend you? Does he hate me? Have I upset him? I'll be thinking the whole night, like, have I done something wrong? We would always say, like, oh, that sounds lovely, but I can't make it. Mm-hmm. Or, mm, maybe another time. Or I would never be so strange. To that say...
1: politeness in context, it's so interesting because I think the English are very famous for this. And Americans' reputation for mm-hmm. indirectness is a little more mixed. Because on the one hand, business people, New Yorkers, Wall Street types, very direct. Right. But Russians have often expressed annoyance at the whole phenomenon of small talk, which is I think Americans are quite notorious for. People will talk to you when they really don't have to. You really, this conversation does not need to happen. But, uh, perhaps and i'm just spitballing here the use of small talk is to just let people know like you're okay you're a socially well-adjusted person you are neutral you can be friendly you're you're not a threat and again because maybe because of the guns it's a good idea to start with small talk to let people know you're not a not a <laughs> <laughs> again less from a big thing you don't have it you, you don't need it. that's
0: not a part of it yeah um it freaked me out even when i first came hmm. here and saw police officers with guns I'd be terrified the, in the u.s police civilians when-
1: um in texas one one time i finished a lesson with a kid and he said do you want to see our gun safe and uh you know english is a living language you learn new things all the time you're oh, what i don't <laughs> i don't know what those words mean together and it was like a closet that was filled not just with guns, but with other weapons like throwing stars, like a ninja would have.
0: I mean, I thought this was like a cliche about the guns in the U.S. until right. well, we both worked with. Do you want to set up, team up team. for uh,
1: <laughs> for the audience? And I
0: remember him. Yeah, I remember him showing me pictures of his gun collection yeah. on his phone, like have kids, But he did Look have guns. He had a lot of. Them. Look at this one. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, this is mental. Like, why? Uh, it's something I'll never get <clears throat> um, around, basically. Um, guys and girls, we've got just a few minutes left. If there's any questions you'd like to us, uh, for us to answer, please let us know. It could be about English or just life in general. Um, it could be about country. You know, I, I had a great moment um, in class the other day. Someone asked me if
1: I ever just meditated or fell asleep while my students were writing. And I said, no, that's actually the last time I would ever feel so relaxed because seeing people be creative actually gives me energy. It actually inspires me to maybe write something myself or to you know jump in there and um, provide guidance or corrections or something. And one of my students reacted really positively to that. And I thought, you know, that is, in a, again, in a nutshell, the second time I've used that expression, that's the value of teaching. It's not for me to just, transfer my knowledge to someone else. My knowledge came from books and experience. You can get half of that without me. But when I can help you create something, put something new into the world, that is an amazing experience. And some of my students, my advanced ones, have written really, really funny, really interesting, really beautiful, really thought-provoking pieces in English. And I'm there to help generate ideas, maybe massage some of the grammar, maybe to inspire. You know, But at the end of the day, what a teacher does, a teacher of language, a teacher of anything, what they're doing is helping human beings achieve their potential. And it's a beautiful vocation to have. It's a great privilege to be able to, to interact with that. So if, you, if you're worried about grammar, you've got Murphy. I, but if you want to make art,
0: you could have me. Yeah. I 100% am behind you on that. Um, Most of grammar can be learned at taught don't get me wrong, but if there's some confusions and complex phrases and um, complex structures, mm-hmm. check with your teacher. Um, go for the best way around it. Can I ask what is the best way to learn the live vocabulary which natives actually use? Can oh, we trust Western Cambridge, etc. books? Uh, for IELTS, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For IELTS, you absolutely can t- uh,
1: trust the authentic materials that Cambridge presents. Um, for spoken English... I would say yes, with a caveat, you need to understand who you're talking to. So business English is quite different from regular mm-hmm. English. I know what KPI is and that's it. I don't really know anything else in this, in this genre, I'm, I'm done. I'm a news guy, I read the news a lot, I read literature. The English there is quite different from what you might get at a pub in England or a, a bar in the US. So depending on your purpose, Different sources have different levels of trustworthiness. So yeah, if you're preparing for a test, the official materials are absolutely valid. Materials for those tests that are not official deserve more skepticism.
0: Something you said about the news, is something I always recommend for sort of stronger students and for really picking up some really advanced vocabulary and mm-hmm. phrases is the news. And they always say to me, I'm not in politics but the news isn't just politics mm-hmm. you can look at the science sections you can look at there's so many different parts you can always find something you're interested in whether it's music theater cinema games you can Technology. look at that part of the news and pull out this amazing amazing mm-hmm. language is so rich um this might seem kind of odd but if you really want to focus on the social language and the real language is spoken in this country, mm. is to look at stand-up comedians. Because they never grade their speech. They are full of idioms and phrasal verbs and all these subtleties and metaphors. and That's of real sort of language there, is with stand-up comedians. It might not seem like <laughs> the best place to learn English, but... It Do is you use stand-up to to language. language ever? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes we'll use stand-up. Um... I uh, had one about museums and how England basically robbed the world. And uh, James Acaster has a wonderful oh, I little I sketch this guy. about Is this. That would English Absolutely English fantastic. fantastic. Oh. Yeah, I was okay. saying, I'll post it on. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do? Anyway. I it. It yeah, awesome. I use, um,
1: there's there's a great uh, uh, bit from Bill Burr where he talks about the heroism of soldiers. Uh, and there's one there's one joke I actually didn't quite get when I watched him talking. I understood everything that he said about the military and hero worship in America and all these things. But there's one joke where he, where he says, um, you know, is the guy pointing to the battlefield a hero, right? Like that's the whole, that's the whole joke, is that the soldiers who do the dangerous things, they fly the, the, the aircraft, the missions. But there, there's literally a guy on the aircraft carrier who points to where the war is. And uh, he says, you know, this guy, he's pointing like he's doing warrior one. And I had no idea what that was. Well, it's a yoga pose. And knowing that, I think, oh, well, maybe as an English teacher, as an English user, I should become more familiar with yoga poses because they're actually quite common in, uh, in, in daily discourse. With uh, people like, oh no, I dropped my pen, I have to pick it up. Well, that's my downward dog for the day. That would make zero sense if you didn't know that was a yoga pose. Those words together, plus a dictionary, plus your very highly evolved Homo sapien sapien brain would never,
0: ever make sense. Yeah, I really like when people get a bit creative and have this kind of like little metaphors. Mm-hmm. How, uh, English is actually very flexible. You can play, it. Mm-hmm. you get a lot of fun. Uh, we have a question here. Uh, do you have a favorite source for news mm-hmm. for me? Guardians of great stars. Target. I use I use them a
1: lot uh, for source. I can I can mm. highly highly recommend although I think you might need a VPN for it these days. There's a wonderful website called artsandlettersdaily.com, al I've been reading this website since I was 15 years old. Uh, it is a collection of like the best pieces on science, literature, the news, etc., And it has lots of different perspectives and it's it's probably my favorite place to go. If I have an afternoon free, I'll go there, I'll download a bunch of pieces and I'll read that. Arts and Letters Daily is one. BBC is a great source. They also have a Russian edition. So I mean
0: BBC for me is like good for like upper intermediate, mm-hmm. getting touching advanced. They simplified their language a little bit. This was something I noticed about American newspapers as well. I paid subscriptions or like signed up for mm-hmm. subscriptions in New Yorker and stuff like that. I was oh, massively yeah. disappointed by the language. I was like, this is Really, the New really Yorker.
1: Thought. That's
0: interesting. Uh, much. More interesting. Yeah, I had a few articles there, and it was like very, very. I don't know. I mean, the Guardian, the Independent—they much. Stronger. They make
1: up for complexity in really length quality. because New Yorker.
0: <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I remember I was in the hospital once, and he sent me one about the giant mm-hmm, squid, mm-hmm. and I spent about six hours That's reading it. Um, but let me think. What um, else is,
1: is worth reading? Also, um, the Associated Press is a great news source. apnews.com. dot uh, It's it's very kind of neutral. It's not it's not political content. It's not biased in any way. Um, I have a lot to say actually about the news. We could do a whole whole uh, session about that because I think media literacy is really important. And here's here's a true story. When I when I left Russia the first time in two thousand five, I thought you know what I you know I didn't learn all of Russian there's a lot more to learn I'm gonna start reading stories but I didn't know what publications to trust I, I didn't know about you know Dushed at the time but I knew the big names so I knew like <laughs> and I just downloaded an article from there and uh you will you would never in a million years guess what the article was it was is Giselle Bundchen a hermaphrodite I thought it was gonna be poop So I'm sitting there oh, okay. with my dictionary and I'm trying to read this article and I'm like Girm Oh remember? Really? Like Do like, I like, Do I need CGs this? Like Harry Potter? Is this worth learning? And I I translated the <laughs> article. Like I read the whole thing. It was it was stupid, you know. But if, if I had read that article 30 times, would that help me communicate in Russia? Probably not. But if you read enough news about things like weather, uh, transport, the things that work, economics, business,
0: this is the language, This is what people talk about. There's so many good sources out there for people who just don't utilize because they dismiss the news as politics. It's like, no, it doesn't have to. Uh, we've got one more question, we'll fit in the last one. I, also, I was also wondering how bad, or even if it's bad when your accent is not it's quite bad British <laughs> or American. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. It is ten times better to sound neutral, and even with a Russian accent, than sounding posh. Um, something that people don't understand is, especially this, like, I'm always against RP. Fighting RP. Um, right. It drives me insane. Because people <laughs> hate it in the UK. We hate this elitist accent. Basically, if you're speaking like that, it's like, I'm a rich person, I know better than you. You speak Hmm. like that, people will not want to speak to you in the UK. You go to a pub and you're like, oh, excuse me, sir, would you please give me a pint of the finest beer? Mm -hmm. Nobody was gonna want to interact with you. And it's a wonderful place you can speak to so many people. Speak how you speak, how Mm -hmm. it feels natural to you. Speak with your accent. Stop wasting so much time on... I mean, pronunciation is fantastic, don't get me wrong. But learn English first. Learn all these wonderful phrases, the fantastic collocations, these awesome idioms, the way you can construct and play around with it, get a feel for it, before you spend a huge amount of money at a pre-intermediate level focusing on pronunciation to sound like some kind of... (laughs) Well, I was wondering what
1: the, what the language <laughs> barrier was here today for requirements. All right, it's, it's, quite, it's quite low. Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And I would say in America, the, the kind of neutral accent that I have is it's fine, but no one's excited about it. In America, people actually quite like Southern accents. A lot of women think the Southern accent is sex. I want a Southern boy to treat me like a lady, you know. But what I know, I was like, did any, does anyone teach that accent? I don't think anyone outside of the US learns that accent, but in America, that one's actually kind of trendy. You know, does anybody learn to talk like JFK, who is considered one of our great communicators? No, but it would be cool if you did. <laughs>
0: right? But just RP. RP is like saturated like whole sort of a- Can you imagine
1: though? If someone was kind Stop. of like,
0: like, please. Stop. please. Stop. How do I get to the platform to get to Hogwarts? Like,
1: I have no idea what you just said. You'd be like, these are Russians? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, like, who taught these CG people? people. <laughs> Every other native stood around and I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, anyway, it is. Oh, God. I have not even finished this last the beer is drained. It's finished. We've had our two well, plates. St. Peter's glad. Um, guys and girls, for everybody out there. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, please, 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 if you're not already, um, check out Sam's page. He's a <laughs> fantastic teacher with some wonderful, wonderful comments. Uh, content. It have my mistakes all the time. Here is his Instagram. Man, that's me. And of course, States you all know Lance pro does.
1: English. He spent his entire life. Speaking this language in the last seven, refining it to make sure that Russians can uh, meet their goals and get to where they want to go. I, I guess, yeah. I, I guess I could even say I, I no, kind of taught well, so, you not everything, but some of what you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, originally when I was first learning Sam, I learned more from watching Sam's lessons than I ever did in the Celtic. My jokes were better. Um, exactly you you showed me to have fun in the classroom make it enjoyable and that's what language is about have fun learning the language don't make it a chore have a good time um anyway hopefully we're gonna invite sam back on the show um in the i'd future, be honored it's, a, we'll it's been fun it's been a pleasure thank you so much um, for this
1: opportunity it's been great to uh, you know
0: it was a nice way to take off so yeah episode one two pints of english done so, anyway, guys and girls, have a lovely evening. Great. see you all in the Cheers year. to
1: everyone. Cheers. Bye.
0: Bye for now.